0: Well, it's good to be with you. I'm here to talk with you about joy. I'm so glad. Hey, seriously, um, I just love Christmas time. Love the traditions around Christmas time. Maybe one of your traditions is coming to the Christmas Eve services. So hope to see you there. And we already have our coffee set out on our counter to invite our neighbor. And maybe you'll take advantage of that as well. Um, We. We have some traditions in our home on Christmas morning. Uh, one of the traditions that we, we did away with was getting up early, like when our kids moved out of the house. and uh, But when they come back, we have a... a so one of the things we, we do, Annette, my wife, she gets up early and makes these amazing pecan sticky rolls. Oh my goodness. And I make the coffee and that's a highlight. And then we, we also have our own... We've had this for years, our own little... Uh, Uh, wreath advent wreath in our home and uh, we put it in the middle of the table you can see around the edge of it there's little images of kids who represent different nations around the world and then the words of hope and peace and joy and love are there so we'll talk about what the different candles mean and then we um, will read some of the the Christmas story and then we'll this is funny we we actually each pick a carol and we'll sing it. And there's only like five or six of around the table. It's like the worst singing ever. And uh, it's really off-key, but it's just, it's kind of funny and awkward and uh, it's okay. And then we go open gifts, which is amazing. But I wanted to share with you just a portion of the Christmas story. You'll, it'll be familiar to you, I think. Uh, and I won't read all of it to you, but it's from Luke chapter 2. You know, the, the shepherds are out in the field watching their sheep, and then suddenly... An angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "Don't be afraid," he said, "I bring you good news that will bring great joy. That's our there's our word, joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger." Do you remember how the rest of the story goes? A whole host of other angels, they form a chorus with this angel and they sing glory to God in the highest and they talk about, they sing about this this good news of great joy that is for all people. And then the, the shepherds, you know, look at each other and say, yo, we need to get to Bethlehem to see what this good news of great joy for all people is all about. And they do that. And somewhere around that time, the Magi, the wise men, they see a star over Bethlehem, and it says that they are overjoyed. What a dominant theme at Christmas time joy, hope, peace, joy, love. Today we're talking about joy. What if, what if you and I could live with more joy? I mean the kind of joy the angels sang about, the kind of joy the shepherds and the magi discovered. We're gonna we're gonna learn about that from Peter in his first letter. He has a lot to say, important things to say about joy. Before we get there, I wanna I wanna kind of talk about joy in two categories. All right, (laughs) the first category is maybe the one we are most familiar with, and that's the kind of joy that comes as the result of our emotions. You call it gladness, call it happiness, call it whatever you want, but you know, we, we, one day we're up, one day we're down. One day we feel good, one day we feel bad. And in many ways, our emotions ebb and flow, they come and go. This morning you may feel differently than you did yesterday or maybe a moment ago. Um, And so the the word is called happenstance. The happenstances of life, the circumstances of life kind of direct our emotions. And you might say that's the kind of joy the world offers. Uh, You know, I've experienced loss, or maybe of a friend or a loved one, or the birth of a newborn, or bad health, or good health, or whatever our emotions come and go. We feel good one day, bad the next. And that's the kind of joy the world offers, and it makes sense because we live in an in a imperfect, unpredictable, and broken world. That's one category of joy. The other category of joy the Bible talks about is the kind of joy God gives. And God is, as somebody said, the most joyful being who ever lived. And he wants to give us that joy. And interchangeable with the word joy are words like glad or happy. He wants to give us his happiness, his joy, his gladness. In fact, when Jesus walked the earth, he said this, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. He wants to give us his joy. And when, if you have become a Christ follower, if you've invited Jesus into your life, the first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. And the Holy Spirit goes to work producing in you the character of Christ. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't go too fast by the word joy. I don't think those are written in Order of importance, but it sure looks like it. Love is God's true north in terms of his character. And then joy, and God wants us to give us that kind of joy. Um, There are a lot of definitions for joy. This is the one I've used for years, the one I like, and it's simply this that joy is a settled confidence. God is in control. Some of you are boaters. You've been out in Lake Erie and the waves start to come as the storm comes in and your boat is being beaten by the waves. But you're not afraid because your boat has what is called ballast and it remains upright because of that ballast, that weight in the boat. And in our lives, circumstances can change. Life can become grim. It can become dark. But we have ballast in Christ. We have a a settled confidence. God is in control. There is this deep-seated gladness. That doesn't mean the emotions we feel every day. The kind of first category is unimportant. We we feel loss. We feel gain and so on. But underneath all of that, there is a deep-seated joy that God wants to give us. And that's the kind of joy Peter is talking about in this passage. Peter is not unacquainted with hardship. He he has been imprisoned. He has been beaten. He's just around the corner from, as tradition tells us, being crucified upside down. And he's writing to a group of Christ followers who are being persecuted because they follow Jesus. And now that's something you and I don't have a lot of experience with, being persecuted persecuted, facing hardship because we believe in Jesus. But hardship has various forms, doesn't it? So in this room, we could all take a turn sharing some of our hardships we've experienced or are experiencing right now, whether it's a, a crippling disease or maybe it's personal economic disaster or maybe it's relational discord on some front. Or maybe we're uh, uh, facing the fear of the future because of something coming up. Maybe it's a social, maybe you're being socially ostracized for one reason or another. You name whatever struggle it is. And one thing Peter knows, and other writers in the Bible, is that, that, is that when those struggles come, we can, we can tend to, rather than lean into God, we lean away from God and begin to ask ourselves, God, where are you? don't you care? Don't you see what's going on? Don't you hear me? I hear Christians talking about joy, the joy of the Lord, and I hear people sing like I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And I think, really? Where does that come from? So it doesn't take Peter very long into his first letter to get to the core of what he wants to say to his first readers who are struggling and to you and me. And this is how our passage begins. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him, now you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy... The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. That's all we're going to look at. That's our passage we're studying. And what I want to do to simplify is, is take that passage and put it into a sentence form, which we'll use as an outline to study what Peter is saying to us. And the sentence goes like this. Joy is mine when I reflect, even in the midst of hardship, and follow Jesus. So let's break that into thirds, and we'll start with joy is mine When I reflect, reflect on what? This is what Peter says at the very beginning of the passage. So be truly glad. Now, that's in the New Living Translation. That's the Bible we use here at the church. But in the New International Version, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice. In all what should I greatly rejoice? These are kind of like connecting words for what he's about to say, but also connected to what he has just said. In what should I greatly rejoice? So why can I be truly glad? Because of what Peter just wrote. And I want to show you these words. This leads into our passage. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So that's the passage we're looking at. Interesting. So, notice those italic words. It is by his great mercy... We have been born again by his great mercy. I I love surprise. I love Christmas time. I love surprises, not the scary kind of surprises. I like fun surprises, good surprises. Like, you know, uh, when one of our kids shows up unannounced, that's a good surprise. Or maybe somebody gives me an unexpected compliment. That's a good surprise. Or maybe at the end of the year, you get an unexpected raise. That's a good surprise. Or maybe under the Christmas tree this year, or maybe you can remember a time in the past where you thought a a certain gift was just out of reach, and there it was, surprise. We like good surprises. You're like me. We like good surprises. Why is that? Well, we're created in God's image. And I think God likes good surprises, too. Let me give you an example. Starting at the very beginning of the Bible with the story of Abraham, he's not seeking God. He lives as, as a part of an idol-worshipping family, and God calls Abraham to become the patriarch of a, of a nation, Israel. Surprise. The, 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 the Israel nation is, is in trouble, and they need to be rescued. And so God chooses, surprise, this precocious, prideful young man named Joseph. And then they're stuck in Egypt, and God chooses this murderer named Moses. Surprise, he chooses him. And then out of a family of young men who have all the likely characteristics you'd want in a king, God chooses, surprise, David to lead the nation of Israel. And then out of a storm, surprise, God speaks to Job. And then Jeremiah, the the most, perhaps, reluctant prophet. Surprise, who doesn't want to speak to anyone. Surprise, God chooses him to be one of the primary prophets to Israel. Surprise, Jesus doesn't come as a warrior, as a king. He comes as a baby. Surprise. Surprise, Jesus calls to himself an outcast named Matthew. Matthew to be one of his followers, surprise! Jesus calls a guy named Peter, a fisherman of all people, whose letter we read today. Surprise. And all of the other casts, other, all of the other outcasts, Jesus calls to himself. Jesus sits next to a Samaritan woman and asks for a cup of water, surprise! And one day, at the end of the Bible, we read that Jesus is going to come again, and we don't know the hour or the time, it's going to be a surprise. Surprise. God likes surprises. But may I share with you my favorite surprise of all. That out of his great mercy, I have been born again. That God in his mercy would reach down and send somebody to share with me how I can have a relationship with God through faith in Christ. Out of God's pure mercy and grace. And I'm brought into the family of God, born again, brought from death to life, from darkness to light. If you are a follower of Jesus, can you remember the day when that happened? Or are you amazed also at God's mercy toward you? That should bring us joy. And look at all of the other things that we're told that Peter says about that. We have an inheritance. You may not be rich here on earth, but you have an inheritance waiting for you one day. You are saved now. But one day when Jesus comes, your salvation will be made complete. And between this day and that day, nothing can corrupt that or change that. God's love for you is unchangeable. And so, Peter's saying, think about this. Think about all this and be truly glad in this, you can greatly rejoice. The reality of who you are in Christ, a member of the family of God, rejoice. And you can have joy. I can have joy, he goes on to say, even in the midst of trials. Wow. Really? Maybe you've heard the, uh, the story of the, the rainbow. At the end of the rainbow is what? A pot of gold. I have not found that yet, but I hope. I don't know how real that is, but I think this is even more real. This is a picture of a rainbow. But instead of a pot of gold, it's a manure spreader. <laughs> and many of us in life experience that more. Manure is thrown our way. As they say, manure happens. You know, we just... And then, what? how do we respond? When, that, when, when life throws things our way. I came across this quote by an author. It says, the true test of a person's strength or mettle is adversity. Almost anyone can survive good times. I, I love good times. You love good times. None of us goes looking for hard times, but hard times have a way of finding us. And then what? And this is what Peter says. So be truly glad. There's our connecting phrase. So be truly glad. Reflect on who you are in Christ. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire, tests, and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Wow. We often reference Tim Keller here, he makes a comment on the last volume in The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings. And in this scene, Gandalf the wizard is incredibly distressed and crestfallen because the future of the world is hopelessly bleak. And then in the middle of this, he lets out this robust laughter. Why? Where does this come from? because he knows there is something else at work behind the scenes. Gandalf has ballast. He has a deep-seated confidence, a deep-seated gladness. As Christ followers, we should reflect on what is true. We are in the family of God, and we have an inheritance waiting for us, but we can also, and we can also grasp the fact that God is up to something behind the scenes. And in this passage, there are a couple of principles I want to draw us to. But before I get to that, I want to make make a preface statement. And it is this. From cover to cover in the Bible, you can't get away from this. God loves his creation. He's committed to his creation. He loves you and me, and he's committed to you and me, to what is good for us. It says that God loves us. It also says that God is love, which means he never, ever operates outside the realm of his love. God is not the author of confusion. He is not the author of pain. The book of James tells us that God himself would never, ever tempt us. All of that is true. And yet, at the same time, also true in Scripture is this, that God will allow tests and trials and tribulations to come into our lives. Never outside the realm of his love, which means that when those things come into our lives, God is up to something that we cannot see or understand, we may not like, but it's something for our good that will ultimately bring him glory. Now, with that said, let me draw a couple of thoughts out of what Peter is saying to us. Our troubles last for only a while. That's what Peter says. Our trials last for just a while. I wish I had brought a a long rope with me up to the platform, but I would not be able to find one long enough. This rope represents eternity. It goes on forever that way. It goes on forever that way. And I would have with me a magic marker. And on this magic marker, I would put a little dot. And that dot represents my life. That dot represents your life. That dot represents the trials and the tribulations and the sufferings and hardship you might be facing. So much of the Christian life is perspective. That's why reading God's word is so critical. And what we learn in scripture is that our lives are temporary, but we go on forever. And our trials are a momentary affliction. I read these words by Billy Graham just the other day, and I brought them to share with you. When your trial comes, and it will if you are following Christ, you will be tried and tempted and shaken. When these trials come, act in light of eternity. It's not going to last. The second thing from Peter's words we can draw is this. Our troubles refine our faith and make us stronger. (laughs) When I told our daughter last weekend that we're teaching out of 1 Peter chapter 1 and about trials and, and, and how they can actually be good for us, she said, well, are you going to read from James chapter 1? I said, that's a great idea, and maybe that occurred to you also. This is what James says. Dear brothers and sisters, when, the troubles, of any, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Very similar to what Peter wrote, don't you think? Except Peter adds an illustration. Peter adds the illustration of gold, of refining gold. And what he tells us is that fire does not destroy gold. Fire refines gold. Fire makes impurities in gold rise to the surface and then they are skimmed off so that gold is made even more valuable. And Peter says, your faith is even more valuable than gold. How about that? So when you find yourself in the crucible of hardship, which might be today, has it occurred to you that perhaps God is up to something you cannot see? Making your faith even more valuable. (laughs) Helping you to lean even more into God. Helping you to become the person that God has called you to be and bringing glory to Him. In Francis Chan's book, one of his books, he he writes about how a a goldsmith will skim the the impurities and then wait a little while and then skim more impurities and more impurities until he can actually see his, his reflection in the gold. And that's what God's doing. He's doing this until he sees his reflection in our lives. It's not to be mean. It's in the context of his love always. So this weekend, when you find yourself with those nagging little things, or maybe those nagging people, whoever it might be, or maybe it's a problem, a severe problem, you cannot find your way around. What if God is doing something in your life? that he would not be able to do otherwise. You know, the story of Job. Job in the, in the middle of crying out to God, where are you, God? Why don't you hear me, God? What Have you taken your eye off the ball, God? He cries out what? But I will come forth as gold. And so will you. And so will I as we lean into God. Now, that... Brings us to the last part of our summary sentence for this passage. Joy is mine when I reflect on what is true, even in the midst of hardship, and follow Jesus. And this is how Peter ends this passage. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. You know, Peter walked with Jesus and he saw Jesus. He touched Jesus. And yet these people he's writing to, and you and me, we we've never seen Jesus. We're being called to trust in him, to love Jesus between now and the day that we see him again. Our salvation is is sure now in Christ, but one day it will be made complete, the salvation of our souls. I was thinking about the song we sang earlier. We all have our favorite Christmas carols, don't we? Maybe yours is Silent Night or Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. I just shared with you my two favorite. But my other favorite is Joy to the World. I love that song. But did you know that the, the author of Joy to the World, which, who's not Three Dog Night, it's actually, now you've got that going through your mind, is Isaac Watts. And Isaac Watts did not write Joy to the World regarding the first advent of Jesus, Christmas Day. He wrote Joy to the World with reference to the second coming of Jesus. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Jesus will come one day again as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so between this day and that day, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, how shall we then live. Well, certainly reflecting on what is true, certainly understanding the purpose of trials in our lives, but let me give you just a real practical thing to think about this week through the Christmas season. Maybe you're a collegiate basketball fan, maybe not. Maybe you will be after this, but Scott Drew wrote a book called The Road to Joy. He's a 19, he's the 19-year basketball coach at Baylor University. In April of 2021, they won the NCAA championships. And he's got something to say. And he is all about joy. this is what he says in his book. If you put Jesus first and others second, it's just like it says in the Bible, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, if you have that order right, then life is a lot more rewarding, fulfilling, and people want to be around you a lot more, that's for sure. And maybe it's corny, and maybe it's overused, but overused for a good reason. He uses this acronym, and maybe you've used it too. Jesus, others, yourself. I mean, you explain to me why when you go out of your way, maybe you don't want to do it. But when you sacrifice your time and money and energy, and you go out of your way, you really help somebody, serve somebody Put them before yourself. You may not have wanted to do it going in, but you walk out. What are you thinking? Well, that's the best thing I did all day. (laughs) That's joy. That's joy. And where do we get that sense of joy? From God himself. Do you know this passage from Hebrews chapter 12? Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. That's Jesus. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Why did he give himself up for you and me? so we can have access to God. He sacrificed himself. He experienced joy. You want joy in your life right now? You want to have an increased sense that God is in control, even though things are hard? Find somebody to serve. There's a a camp, a sports camp in western Pennsylvania called Summer's Best Two Weeks. Maybe you know about it. Our former church used to send kids there. It's an amazing camp. And at the end of this two-week experience, they give out the prestigious award called the I Am Third Award. (laughs) I Am Third Award. Jesus first, others, then me. And I want to ask you, would you get that award? Because if you get that award, you also get, along with it, The intangible reward of joy. So, let me ask you, are you a joyful person? We can all live with more joy. Peter says, just reflect on what is true. Understand in the middle of trials, God is doing something in our lives that's important. And find somebody to serve along the way. That'll give more joy. But not only this, are you a person of joy? Let me ask you this. Are you an agent of joy? And this season, people around you, family members, coworkers, neighbors, who may still be far from God, do they see joy in your life? And would you be willing to share with them how they can have it too through Christ? He has come for us. Joy to the world. Let's pray. God, thank you now for the great reminder that you, good news, the good news of great joy for all people, us in this room and everybody outside this room. Help us to be agents of joy as we reflect on what is true, understand the value of trials and find people to serve. Build that joy within us, the kind of joy you want us to have, a settled confidence that you are in control and you have a plan for our lives. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you next week.